0: Hello and welcome. My name is Alanda Carter I am the Recovering Hun Bot and this is Season 2 of Hey Hun, You Woke Up. This podcast is brought to you on 10 podcast platforms including Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google and Anchor. The video version is on YouTube. Today I am chatting with Dr. Moira O'Sullivan. I met Dr. Sullivan because she and I were both on the steering committee for the recent conference, Multi-Level Marketing, a Consumer Protection Challenge. Dr. O'Sullivan lectures at Munster Technological University in Ireland and her research focuses on female consumer behavior. She has written for the Conservation on the Anti-MLM Movement and researched MLM advertising targeting women in particular. Her PhD is from University College Cork and she says her dogs Zoom bomb a lot of her committee meetings. Our conversation meanders around the subject of multi-level marketing, and I found her knowledge to be very insightful. Please welcome Dr. O'Sullivan to the show. Moira, thank you so very much for joining me today. And I want to ask you, how is it you became involved in doing research in multi-level marketing of all things? Because there's not many people doing that.
1: Um, that's probably one of the reasons because there weren't a lot of people doing it. Um, I just, I actually, what I really got interested in was initially was actually the anti-MLM movement. Um, that's how I got into this. So I sort of spotted this starting to take hold, I guess. I saw um, anti-MLM on Reddit. Um, I became aware of the the Facebook group, um, Sounds Like MLM But Okay, which is is now shutting down. Um, and yeah, I just sort of thought, oh, that's an interesting sort of phenomenon, a grassroots consumer movement. And um, I had done, you know, I had been to um, a Mary Kay party once in my early 20s. Somebody's aunt was selling it and we all got invited. And um, I kind of wasn't, um, and I know one of my mom's neighbors did um, Stella and Dot. And some of their stuff was kind of cute, it seemed a bit, bit expensive, but but quite cute. Um, and so it seemed a very harmless thing to me. Um, and then when I started to, I suppose, view some of the anti-MLM content, I was like, wow, people have really strong feelings about this. Um, I, I, I wasn't sort of aware that people saw it as so problematic. Um, and then I actually I discussed it with um, a professor at the university that I was working with at, at the time. Um, She's also um, in marketing. And um, she kind of said to me, oh, do you have any new directions for research you want to look at? And I said, well, I'm actually really interested in this. And she was like, oh, my God, me too. Me too. I'm so interested in this as well. Um, So we had both sort of seen this starting to bubble up a little bit. And yeah, so it was actually the anti-MLM movement. I was like, wow, that's really interesting that people are this passionate about it, that people are, um, I guess, yeah, have such strong opinions on this. I'm really interested in this kind of consumer activism. Um, And so, yeah, started to look into it more and more. Well, I think the is- first thing we did was we bought a copy of Robert Fitzpatrick's book Between Us. <laughs> University <laughs> budgets, you know. <laughs> well, that's really interesting because
0: myself, it's like I didn't know, having been involved in Beach Body, because I was a Hunbot, hence I'm the recovering Hunbot. Um, I had no idea that there was this movement, but it kind of like came into my world and that's how I started getting involved and I wanted to understand it and understand. What the heck I had been involved in. And one of the things that you hear from company to company, it doesn't matter whatever name you slap on it, is that we're uplifting and empowering women. And when you really look at it, it's anything but. Because even if there is someone who is a female that's like the CEO, typically there's usually somebody behind the scenes that's a man that's in charge, and usually There are men that are in charge. So I wanted to, you know, talk to you a little bit about this whole, I guess, myth that it is empowering women when it's actually more like enslaving them and entrapping them into a system where they're not going to win since most people aren't succeeding so yeah so my
1: research interests have always been basically about female consumption women's women's consumption Um, my PhD is in consumer behavior and I studied um, a female consumption group um, and looked at how um, they sort of provided well but what we came up with was that they were providing therapy for each other essentially that they were engaged in a therapeutic process um, but the consumption was really quite key to it, which is kind of different from some other papers that had been written basically. Um but so um that was what I suppose attracted this to me was that um this this was very much focused on women. And I think um I think the day I saw the Timeless v article headlined MLM as a feminist issue, it was like, oh hey that's that was light bulbs flashing for me because again I'm quite interested in doing um feminist research. I'm quite interested in doing research um you know that takes a kind of a, a critical feminist eye on things um and so yeah that was that was what jumped out at me um I think I saw that article and I was like oh I should I should definitely like look into this um and yeah there's been a, a article last year I think which was called something like um I can't remember the exact title but it was like MLM claims to be feminism but it's making men rich um and sort of looked at the CEOs of of many of these companies um, and, and so yeah when you look at that that structure, um, that the top levels in some of these companies are men, and they are the ones who are getting very rich. the Lower levels, the grassroots, the people who are out there trying to sell product and recruit people, in most companies tend to be women. So the the stats around the world hover at around seventy percent female. It varies from country to country and region to region, but it's it's a, in and around the seventy percent mark in most places.
0: I think it's interesting that worldwide that it is predominantly women, but yet at the mm. same time, as, you know, we discussed earlier, and we'll talk about some of that now, is that there is a segment of this that tends to attract more men than women. And I'm talking about mm. all of these cryptocurrency MLMs, which I find so fascinating that they've really zeroed in on a way to basically like suck men into this world but at the same time there are women involved in it too but predominantly it's like men lead the the pack in that which is fascinating so can you talk a little bit about what's happening over on you know your side of the pond in this world yeah
1: um, so yeah, so I mean, crypto and Forex is is absolutely massive in in both the UK and in Ireland. Um, I taught a class actually in um, strategic marketing this year. So my students were final year marketing students, they were probably kind of 22, 23 was the kind of average age group. And we actually did a, a marketing project for a local credit union. And, and straight away, my students were asking that this person from the credit union, you know, do you do you do you do stuff with crypto? Do you do stuff with forex? And the guy from the credit union was like, absolutely not. We're one of the most conservative, fiscally prudent, like financial institutions. But what they wanted was, um, you know, something like their. So Revolut is the, the app that we use here. I know Venmo and stuff like that is more popular in the states, but Revolut has things to buy stocks, buy crypto, buy whatever um but yeah it it's really um it's really massive here particularly with young men um there was a great again there was an article um i think 2 years ago in the bbc um about a guy from london you know a very um low income area of london um and how much money he had made and how he had bought like all the flats around him and had this magnificent car and whatever um one of my colleagues actually went and looked up the property register and was like, he does not own a single flat. He checked the license plate of the car. He was like, he does not own that car. Um, it is a complete front um, to, sh- uh, to basically sell then this guy's classes on how to get rich doing Forex um, or crypto. Um, and, and, and unfortunately the, the BBC, and I talked to someone at the BBC since, um, and I was like, yeah, so you guys did this story. And she was like, oh my God, I know. <laughs> like she was genuinely embarrassed about this story that was like still on the BBC website um about this young man who was so incredibly successful and i've actually heard a few great stories again from around london in in like the very expensive areas of london where Um, People will basically rent like Lamborghinis and and Ferraris and like park them outside someone's really expensive house and like pose on them until the security guards come and move them along. And then those pictures are used to sell this vision of success, which is then used to sell this, like enroll in my program and enroll other people in my program. And the training is pretty flimsy. So I would have to say some of those are just straight pyramids. There's no product there's no there's no value item um, that you could then claim legally it's an MLM I I think they're just a lot of them are just straight pyramids and we've seen that with one coin where it turned out there was no actual coin and it just was a straight pyramid
0: yeah which is still operating which is really quite you know amazing that people still believe in this fraudulent organization and then there's so many other ones that are going on it's just like I I feel like every time you sneeze there's another one that's mentioned and people are in mostly men continue to be attracted to this and drawn to it thinking that somehow they're going to be able to um, become wealthy from investing in this which is I mean upon their training which is less than stellar to put it mildly
1: it's so tempting i mean you hear about people who bought you know two bitcoin 10 years ago and you know have have you know it's it's worth millions now um i listened to a great podcast recently about someone trying to find their lost bitcoin turned out they had actually sold it when it was worth nothing but like the the dream is there that like oh my god i'm going to be i'm going to be like a kardashian tomorrow once i just you know wait for this bitcoin to to go through the roof or um, but obviously, because Bitcoin is worth so much now, you, you want the one that's going to be the next Bitcoin, the Bitcoin killer, um, you know, and 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 the chances are that, I don't know, like th- there was a crash a couple of days ago um, because people were starting to talk about governments releasing their own cryptos and things like that. And so that would sort of, because it would then be backed by an actual financial system. And, and you're like, well, isn't that just what money is? But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: Yeah, it's a it's a very fascinating world, and you mentioned something that made me think of, and I was talking to you about the Shannon Watts case um, earlier, because part of Lavelle Thrive, what they have are these. Thrive and drive things where you go to a dealership, and then you can sit in the car so that because you're trying to earn the car bonus. And it's kind of like the same thing where they're all posing. So you're acting as if you're envisioning that life of what it would be like, which I find to be problematic at best. I mean, I'm trying to use very polite words because I'd like to throw in a whole bunch of other ones. So use your imagination on all of that. But it seems to be very much the same sort of thing of, it's not reality, but yet people are presenting a lifestyle because that's really what they're selling is the idea that you can attain this lifestyle that the person themselves don't even have. Shanann was in massive debt. They'd already filed yeah. bankruptcy once. And it kind of begs the question of how many other people are going into massive debt to make it appear as if everything's hunky-dory. Have you come across any of that in your research?
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose that the, the, that's not, I guess, um, limited to MLMs. This This fake it till you make it is really pushed in MLMs. But I think that um, for, for younger people probably coming up now, um, they, they all need to understand that your Instagram life is not your real life. You know, you only post the pictures when you're out at a cool club with your friends or you have, you know, you're on the beach and it's beautiful and it's white sands or whatever. You don't post the picture of you scrubbing the toilet, right? Nobody's going to nobody's gonna post the like boring minutiae of their, their everyday life. Um, And so it does, it does seem like that, that everyone is more fun than me, everyone has more money than me, everyone has more excitement than me. And again, we're, we're sold these visions of like, I don't, I don't mean to bash the Kardashians, you know, they do what they do. But like, we're sold this vision of like extreme consumption as the goal, as the dream. You know, once once you achieve this status of like more money than you can know what you do to do with, then you will be truly happy. Then everything will be fine once you get that. And that is the goal for everybody. And um, yeah, I guess maybe as I and when I was younger, like I I kind of bought into it more. But I guess as I've aged a little bit, I'm like, you know, it's have enough. It's grand like it's grand. Not that I wouldn't love to have, you know, a few you know, a Ferrari or whatever, but like my car goes just fine. It goes from place to place and gets me there. Um, and I just think, yeah, there's this real, but this, this consumer culture and this this constant drive for more um, is, is, is really insidious in everything, I guess now. And, and we need, I think we need to think about how, how healthy that is. Um, but the, the fake it till you make it um, this, this, this is what will give you the thing. And we could talk about toxic positivity. We could talk about, you know, the secret and what you put out into the universe is, is what will come back to you and no, no negative vibes or whatever. Um, it's all it's all very problematic thinking. Um, if, if you want me to get deep into this, there's, um, there's a French philosopher um, whose name completely escapes me right now. Um, but he talks about how happiness itself is um, a new expectation that in the past people really did not expect to be happy. Um, that, um, that, 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 you know, you would expect maybe a few good moments in your life, but, um, suffering was sort of the human loss and the expectation. Um, and, and so, um, we put this pressure on ourselves. Obviously that's, you know, it's better, better that people aren't suffering all the time and it's not awful for everybody. Um, but there's this, um, this, expectation that we put on ourselves to be happy all the time, to be positive all the time, to um, um, his name keeps like coming to the front of my brain and then disappearing. But it's mm-hmm. um, he talks about moments of grace, that that what we can expect from our lives is not to always be at this incredible high point that most of the and, and hopefully not to be at this awful low, but that our lives are just gonna be middle and there will be these moments of grace. And in in focusing always on what you don't have or wh- how you get to this constant state of happiness, you actually miss these moments of grace, which might just be like, I'm sitting on the couch with my dog and my dog is really happy. And I'm this is really nice. My life is really nice right now. And just taking the moment to appreciate that, I guess it's kind of a almost like a mindfulness thing as well of like, things are pretty good, aren't they? Like things are okay we're all coming through a pandemic the year has been rough on us all but like things are pretty good but instead you have to constantly strive for and try to achieve this like nirvana state of perfection and and that is what some of these people are, are selling it's this instagram life it's this i spend my life touring the world and i'm making passive income money when i sleep um you know you hear this all the time the passive income and um um, you know, other people are basically doing the work for me and, and out there gathering money for me. And um, I'm just like jetting around the world on beaches, being an influencer or whatever the, the dream is. Um, it's it's yeah, I, it's just maybe it's it shouldn't be the dream. <laughs> That's I,
0: I agree with you. And it's something that I've talked about before is like, you know, when is Enough, enough. Like I'm happy with my life. Do we live in a mansion? I mean, the the home that we're getting isn't a mansion. No, it's not. But you know what? To me, it's my own little mansion. I love the floor plan. I love everything about it do I really need something else where there's like, I don't know, 16 bedrooms and 25 bathrooms and I don't really want that. Why is it that, you know, we're supposed to, according to what's put out there of achieving all of this to aspire to have just this, I guess, gluttony of, um, Mm. of things, you know, of the consumerism and just continue to have the most lavish lifestyle Why can't people find happiness? And I think there's plenty of it to be found in just living a quote unquote regular life. Because you're right. Like I sit with my dogs last night. Chalupa was like snuggled up next to me. And I just like, I was just so content in that moment going, it feels so good to have this little body next to me. And I was watching something on Netflix and I mean, and then MLM, I mean, don't watch Netflix because you need to be working. You know, if you really are. Yeah, it's like don't take any moments to do anything that you find enjoyable because you got to get to that next level. So you got to keep working. You can get to that later, but you got to sacrifice now. And I don't want to sacrifice to be chasing after something that the likelihood of attaining isn't going to happen. Nor do I want to have a yacht, nor do I want to be jetting all over the world all the time. I mean, why do people feel like the laptop lifestyle? is the lifestyle that everybody should have. I mean, who would be doing the work, number one? And I I just, I really don't understand why that's a thing. And I think it goes back to what you were saying about the whole Instagram thing. Is that, yeah, everybody keeps seeing these things where it appears as if somebody is having this fabulous life. But the reality is, they still scrub the toilet. <laughs> they still do something that's not all glamorous. And I think that yeah. we've got, gotten into and going into the toxic positivity because that whole mindset in multi-level marketing of continuing to reframe everything and make everything positive. It's like, if anything happens that's less than stellar, it, I, I feel like you almost become mentally crippled and don't know how to handle it because you're working so very hard to make everything around you positive i don't know if that makes sense to you or not
1: no absolutely i mean toxic positivity is something that like like psychologists are talking about now as as a real problem um this idea that we again we have to force ourselves to be happy all the time um it's it's damaging okay sometimes sometimes something bad happens sometimes you know it's it's okay to feel grief if if somebody dies or it's okay to Um, you'll feel sad or stressed by the fact that there's this pandemic happening it's it's you know you it's to be in touch with your own emotions and understand where that's coming from um, it's good for you you know Um, and so this this toxic positivity I guess it all kind of goes back to um, the secret and you know pro Winfrey has a lot to answer for in the world (laughs) I have some other questions for her Dr. Phil Dr. Oz, you know, Uh, but um, this, this, the secret, um, basically the idea for, I'm sure people know, but it's that you must, what you put out into the universe is what you get back in return. Um, That's actually a very damaging idea because that means that if you are, um, you know, if you are, if your house is robbed or if you are assaulted or if something awful happens to you, if there's a natural disaster, well, I guess you put out negative vibes, and you attracted negativity to you so it's you're really to blame um and okay it's a less extreme version than that but we see that in the mlm where it's like oh well you didn't work hard enough you didn't hustle hard enough it's not that the business model means that 99 percent of people will fail and i'm sorry you're one of those 99 percent. you're not one of the one percent who do great you know um it's it's that you didn't hustle hard enough you didn't try hard enough um you didn't work for this. Um, You had the wrong mindset. You listen to critics. You know, you if you you listen to critics and you think about um, if you have if you have questions about this, if you have um, worries about this, that's you destroying your own dreams. Um, So it's very um, it's very victim blaming, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just it's very toxic. I mean, it's called toxic positivity for a reason. Um, But yeah, I just I. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not sure what my point is. Just don't do that, people. Like, be in touch with your real emotions Um, and don't blame people for bad things that happen to them. I
0: feel like, you know, the world of MLM and this whole idea of, you know, manifesting and, you know, the secret, all, all of that stuff, it suppresses what it means to be human. And to be human means there are a range of emotions that you experience within your life. And to force, it into a box of happiness sunshine and light and unicorns is really it's i feel like it, it it's so very damaging and when you're in mlm you're around all these other people doing that too that it continues to strip away your humanity and it's almost like you're a pod person you know i don't know if you remember <laughs> the the movie um, what is it that, that movie with the pod people invasion of the scream invasion of the yeah. body yeah. <laughs> Or like a Stepford yeah. Wife type thing. It's like you become something else. Now, here in the States, a lot of times in the anti-MLM community, there's a lot of focus on MLMs within the States because it's, you know, like oh, so many people here are involved in that community. But outside of the States, there's so many MLMs going on that people don't know about. And personally, I like digging into those because I find it fascinating and Frustrating and horrifying, and a lot of other words. But I'd like to know which ones are quote big that people are heavily involved in that you know we probably have no idea even exist.
1: I mean, so the the American MLMs are here. That's there's there's you know Mary Kay and there's Rodan and Fields and and and. Um, unique and, and so on. Um, so I can talk from, I've lived in the north of England, um, sort of Lancashire area, Cheshire area, um, and then I moved back to Ireland where I'm from originally, um, and I live in um, the very south of Ireland, um, in the Republic and in the southwest corner. Um, so the things that I've, I particularly have seen um, between Ireland and the UK, they, they tend to be treated as sort of one market uh, most of the time. Um, There are two big high street brands which have MLM branches in in the UK. Um, That's Ann Summers, which is a sex and lingerie shop Um, and the body shop, which I think everybody probably knows. It's a huge sort of cosmetics um, empire Um, and they have the body shop at home. Um, and so Anne Summers parties were like a very you know risque, giggly thing. When I was like in college, people would go to an Anne Summers party to like see some lingerie and a vibrator or whatever. Um, so those are those are two huge ones. Um, then the other ones that I guess are more um, European. Um, FM World is is very big in the UK right now. I think it's a Polish company originally, and they sell um, perfumes so the idea is that you um you you know if you like i don't know i usually wear calvin klein euphoria right and i can say this to the vendor and they'll say well i can give you this that smells quite like calvin klein euphoria for you know half the price or whatever um and there are there there's a there's a company in in from portugal that actually that does this like with shops and and concessions like normal normal um supply chain i guess um but this fm fm world is, is quite It seems to be quite big, I don't know, it just seems to be very much um, on social media right now. Um, The other one that I've seen uh, more recently is, I think it's called IntelliTravel, IntelliTravel. And I think the reason that I've seen this a lot is that um, a sort of a, it it might even be polite to call her D-list celebrity, uh, like a a low ranking reality TV celebrity type person um, called Vicki Pattinson. Um, has recently got involved with them, and so she promotes that a lot in her social media. And um, I think I think you said it because these people because you feel like you have a relationship with these people that that you already know them, and if you're following them on social media, they they feel like a friend to you or a family member to you. Um, I, I know you said it, you said parasocial relationships. Um, that you know you, you feel like you can trust this person already because you have this established relationship, um, and so she is um, I think recruiting recruiting quite a lot for this, and that's probably why it's so visible right now. Um, and I I've, I have seen reports I I don't have like an authoritative source on this, but I have seen reports that they are paying um, a fifty pound signing bonus for each person you sign up to the company, which I be- under FTC rules I believe that would be illegal. Um, because if you're paying for recruitment at that point um, yeah, so that's an interesting thing um obviously the FTC has no jurisdiction in in the u k but i mean i I would most most of the laws around this kind of follow the model from from the u s because that's where mlm got its start, yeah, so.
0: Yeah, it's always so interesting to me that there are these like D-list celebrities or whatever that join these things and then get massive phones. Well, of course you're going to get a massive volume because people are watching you on whatever, or whatever show you used to be on, like Tori Spelling. And she's with, I want to say New Skin, if I remember correctly, it's just like, you know, and I sometimes I wonder, it's like, okay, well... Does the PR person behind them, I mean, are they doing their due diligence and letting people know this is really not a good idea, this is really not a good business to get in, or do they even care? I mean, I honestly don't know. I'm just like kind of talking about just like things that go on in my own head, like what is going on? Because I think a lot of times it stems back to people overall in general do not really understand how destructive these are. And I think that this was kind of brought out in a weird way in the conference we were both recently a part of, because it was there was very marked difference between how regulators viewed multi-level marketing versus like the rest, rest of us, so to speak, because we see all the problems. But the regulators, because I don't think that they are familiar with, you know, the all the different stories that we hear and all the different things that we come across and view it in a different way. Do you have any thoughts on like why there is this huge disconnect in that?
1: Um, not really. I mean, I suppose I, I know that like there are people who come out of this with, with positive experiences. Okay. Um, uh, Claudia Gross, she did her PhD um, in Germany on uh, tubware groups um, and, and like some of these women, you know, would just it was in these extremely religious communities. Um, this was a little outlet for them. They didn't spend a lot of money on it. They would gather together on a Thursday to talk about their Tupperware business, but really it was a social engagement for them. It wasn't, you know, there was no pressure to sell, there was no pressure to recruit. It was just a thing, a way of facilitating, I guess, um, a, a social engagement for them. And and that's pretty similar to what I talked about with knitting circles in my PhD, right? It's just a a reason to get together, um, a thing that you have in common that you can talk about, um, a a way for you to interact with other women, um, which which is nice. Um, But I think when it really, what really becomes deeply problematic is when we see these uplines that are almost cult-like, where you're, you know, it's like, oh, anyone who doesn't believe in you, you have to cut off. Um, you know, if anyone isn't buying from you, then they don't believe in you. So just cut them out. Um, you have to spend hours and hours on, on these calls, training calls. Um, you have to, you know, go to these events and if you don't go to the events then you're not committed and we're just, we're going to cut you out cause you're one of those people. Um, and so it becomes, it takes over your life for some of these people. Um, and, and it almost seems like, I know, I know Steve Hassan has talked about, um, you know, the cult-like behavior, but it almost becomes like, like a sleep deprivation thing where it's like this constant bombardment of messaging. You can't be away from the group for too long because you might start to think independently. So we're going to have a call every evening. And if you're serious about your business, you have to be on every single call. Um, you have to be at every single meetup. Um, it, it, it just becomes a huge source of stress for people. And then with the toxic positivity, if you don't succeed, you have this deep shame because you did something wrong. Clearly, um, it couldn't have been that the that, that 99% of people fail and, and that the business model doesn't work for most people. Um, it's that you personally have failed and you personally did something wrong. And that those relationships that you formed, um, if they're if you're in one of those very toxic situations, well, they were completely conditional. You're you're now cut off from that from that what was your your friend group your support network um so that's over so so it's it's very hurtful for people and I think people do um it's very traumatic for people it's it's like losing a part of yourself if you do decide to to come away from this and and to cut this out because it's um become an important such an important part of your life
0: yeah absolutely speaking of the sleep deprivation because I did not make this connection until like a long time after I got out of beach body, but I can remember hearing things like, well, get up earlier, stay up later. And it's like, that's kind of encouraging, you know, sleep deprivation, because if you're really serious, you're going to be, it goes back to sacrificing, be having the willingness to sacrifice for right now as you build this, because then you'll get the passive income. Mm-hmm which is totally not the case. It didn't matter that, you know, you could have stayed up till three in the morning and gotten up at four in the morning and it still wasn't going to work. And you also brought up a very good point. And another part, I think that's such a draw for women is that, you know, we are, we're, we're, we're a chatty little bunch, you know, I mean, women are very social and we like to just, you know, hang out with our girlfriends and stuff. And there comes a time in your life when if you're not in school and you know, like, you're kind of like starting your adult life, so to speak, that connection that you once had, you don't have it anymore. So it can feel that community of being part of something can have such an emotional draw for people. And then to be that love bombing you experience and to feel like you are part of something again, and you're accepted and that you're all committed to the same thing. I think it goes back again to the toxic positivity, but while it can appear on the surface to be like a positive type thing, I thought it was a positive type thing. But most people, when they walk away from it and then they lose those relationships, all of a sudden it's like you start seeing it for what it really is and it never was what you thought it was. It's almost like, you know, the world of Oz. It's like, you know, (laughs) who's controlling all of this? Because the reality of it is, I think, so um, hidden. It's almost like you're walking around with like gauze over your eyes or something because you're just not seeing the world with true colors and true intentions of anything because it's all just polluted by the idea that people are going to be able to have more time with their family, have more money and to keep working and working and working. Now in the UK um, and in Ireland, are women talking openly like they are here about their experiences being negative? Do you hear people, is there some kind of groups that are there that have formed that are speaking out?
1: Yeah, in the UK, definitely. So um, Ireland just has such a small population that I imagine that is why we're we're sort of being overlooked in, in some ways by by MLMs. That that tends to happen, you know, that we just we're just not um, a valuable enough market. Um, so we'll say when when um, the UK Brexited, um, Amazon was just like to us, um, you need to order from .dot .fr .de. So you need to order from French Amazon or German Amazon. Like there's not going to be an Irish Amazon. Come on. That's not worth anyone's time or money, right? So I feel like that's pretty similar with the MLMs. Like, we'll get into the UK; that has a big population. Ireland, we'll see what happens. You know, some people might show up, some people might not. Um, so I think the focus is is probably on on the UK. Um, and so again, there are there are groups in the UK. Um, I, I believe there is, um, there's there's um, in fact a, a sort of a petition for like MPs at the moment um, to sort of look at this issue in the UK. Um, I, I think there might be even be a protest planned over the summer at some stage, some people who are very um, sort of activist um, in, in some of these groups. Um, and there's definitely discussion around it. I mean, um, Hannah Martin has done has done fantastic work. Um, if anyone is, has not watched her presentation, which was the last one of the conference. Um, so interesting, so well researched and and quite emotional actually um I don't know I found it quite upsetting to see these people who are um again portraying this Instagram lifestyle and then um Hannah had a lot of the kind of company financials for those people and are just making no money or or in debt um so yeah there's um there's what was the question I've gone off on a complete tangent
0: <laughs> about if there are you know like groups there that are because you're know, like an anti-MLM type things activists you know that are speaking Yeah,
1: out. I mean, definitely in the UK, um, there, there is more, I would say, um, than in Ireland, probably just because um, there are not as many sellers here. Um, now, I did I did get an approach um, right at the start of the pandemic and it was my first ever recruitment pitch. I got hey honed. Um, mm-hmm. I was so, I was literally so excited. Mm-hmm. I was, um, I had had coronavirus, I had been quite sick. And so I was literally lying on a deck chair in the sunshine, like reading a book and kind of going, because <laughs> I was still having real trouble catching my breath and my neighbor my neighbor's house is like we have, we're kind of on a hill so my house is a little bit higher and he was on the roof of his shed so he was basically chatting to me over his shoulder while he was on the roof of his shed and I was like oh my god I think I'm about to get pitched in MLM and he was like I what is happening and I was like I don't know I was like I'm so excited and then I had to explain to him what an MLM was and how I was doing research on it and all this kind of stuff um, and it was I was I did so this person that I had hired for a job a few years back for a company that I was working for at the time, um, she had suddenly started liking, I don't post a lot on Facebook, but I do post pictures of my dogs because obviously they're gorgeous and, and wonderful and everybody deserves to see them. Um, so I had, I suddenly noticed she was like liking like a lot of stuff. And I was like, wow, that's, that's interesting. Like I just, I haven't heard from her in years. Don't know how she's doing. Um, don't know if she still works at that company. I don't. And I kind of had left that life behind. Um, and uh, yeah. And then I was just like, wow, she's really really invested in my dogs all of a sudden, I guess she likes the dogs. Um, and then the, the pitch came. Hi, how are you? Um, you know, are you back in Ireland or whatever? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm home. And she's like, wow. Yeah. So things are so crazy. And I'm like, yeah, things are, things are pretty crazy. It's Like April of last year, we were all going, how long is this going on for? <laughs> um, and uh, and then it, it, the, the pitch was, um, are you secure in your job? And I sort of thought, yeah, I I work for the government, you know, I <laughs> I'm a civil servant basically. Like I work, I, I'm part of the teachers' union of Ireland. I I'm fine, you know, um, just just really, yeah. I'm paid by the Department of Education, and I work for the teacher, and I'm part of the teachers' union. Like it's it would be tough unless I did something really extreme it would be tough for me to not to be in trouble um everything's fine um and she was like oh that's great that's good and whatever and then I sort of I was like waiting and I was like my husband is working from home or whatever like I just wanted to see I just wanted it to come I was like come on do it do it girl do it and she was like oh yeah you know I've been really worried and so I decided to get a side hustle or whatever and um and this is what I've just, and so I've been selling these. Um, I think they were water water filters. Um, I I refer to it as one of the magic water Isn't companies. It magic? Um, no, it, it's something it's ASEAN or something. Oh, so then she said to me, "Do you know about the redox chemistry?" And I sort of again I started laughing. I was like, "Yeah, because I have a degree in chemistry." <laughs> my bachelor's my bachelor's is in pharmaceutical chemistry yeah I I took a whole module I think I had a whole semester where one of my modules was just called redox chemistry like I know what an oxidation reduction reaction is um she she did not I'll be honest she tried to explain what redox chemistry was to me and I was like I don't think you would have passed that final but um (laughs) Um, yeah, so, so she was telling me about how she was on these things. And I said, look, to be honest, I've, I've done some research into this. I sent her a copy of an article I wrote for the conversation about the rise of anti-MLM. Um, and I said, you know, some people have really bad experiences with this. Um, just, you know, make sure that you don't, um, invest too much money, keep a profit and loss spreadsheet. I think that is one of the most important people thing people can do if they want to do this, that's their choice. Absolutely. Absolutely track your profit and loss and then take your profit and divide it by how many hours you spend it on. And if it's less money than you would make stocking the shelves in Tesco, mm. it might just be better to get a part-time job, you know? Um, and so again, I mean, someone had worked out um, recently on, and oh, so she said basically that, you know, she, she was, thanks for sending me the article. It was very interesting and I haven't seen anything bad, but I'll keep an eye out or whatever. And I guess, Okay, fine. But, um, I did think, yeah, that was like the worst possible pitch to give to me because like, like I couldn't, I couldn't be a worse prospect, like degree in chemistry, PhD in business. Like I'm not a good candidate for this product. Um, so yeah, as far as I can tell, it's just salty water from, from, is from it, what I read on their website. Is it ASEA?
0: Yeah. ASEA or whatever. Yeah. Okay.
1: That's one. Yeah, I- something like that. That's on my Trello board to do a deep dive on, which I, have. I mean, there's so yeah. much. my board is like, I'll great. be so excited to watch that because I still, I, like, I read the thing and I looked at their website and like, I said to her, I've just gone on the website. Is it this, is it this company? Cause obviously you don't name the company. So I said, is it this company? When I Googled Redux chemistry and MLM, this is what came up. Um, and I said, you know, their website is all about recruiting. It was very difficult to find out about the product on the website. It was mostly about recruiting. That to me is alarm bells. Sorry. Um, but so yeah, I mean as I said, I yeah, I, I couldn't have been a worse prospect for her. Um and um I just think, you know, obviously I came onto the list of like here are your Facebook friends and have you pitched them all? Um Yeah. yeah. And I must have been somewhere near the bottom of the list because as I said, I hadn't seen her in, in years. Um, but I just yeah, it was it was a really interesting one. Um
0: you know, a while back I attended and now I just did this on Facebook. I did it for content, a pure romance, you know, Facebook party. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what's going on here? So I did, so I did a video about it. Cause I had to, you know, and this person who was a hun who became my friend, it's like, have you not looked at any of my posts? Because all I really post on there are like the videos that I'm doing about anti MLM stuff. And it's like, do you not have a clue that I am so not your target, you know, that it's not gonna ever fit?
1: My yeah. new, so my, my presentation at the conference was sort of some of the advertising that I find to be deeply problematic and misogynistic. Um, and my new low point is a pure romance ad um, for a product called Like a Virgin. It is not. It is a, it is a tightening cream. I don't know how graphic you want me to get here. Essentially, it is to make sex worse for a woman. So it's better for a dude. And it is called Like a Virgin. And I just thought, oh, my God. Oh, And they, they people who sell this call themselves sex educators and say, like, it's a really sex positive company. And it's just like, I'm sorry, that's that's so gross. The Fetishization of virginhood. I could talk about for another hour. Gross but also like how can you how can you sell a product called that and think that you are in any way sex positive and and um and i've actually empowering, (laughs) and uplifting and empowering women yeah empowering women yeah um and i've seen um some petitions recently actually um for um pure romance getting involved in pride um events and petitions to sort of block pure Romance from getting involved in in pride events Um, i understand that that they have a transgender um charity the founder has one because one of his children is trans um and so i guess that's sort of the the angle they've come at it from but um they're known to be a very heteronormative company um you know they only recruit women as salespeople and they only allow women to attend the the events um and then i mean this this product like a version i just i can't get over it how problematic it is um but yeah and so then and then kind of getting involved in pride it just it's it's a little odd and um i guess you could i I could go off on another tangent about the commercialization of pride but um yeah so i have seen some petitions about them them getting involved in that and i would um have to say, as long as they're selling products like that, I would, I would. Agree. Oh,
0: I'd be interested now. I'm interested in doing a video on this stuff because that's that's all very problematic. I mean, one of the things I find so problematic about these companies is this. Well, we support this charity, or they create their own charity like this to give this to legitimize what the business is, and so people think that oh, it, it's helpful. And another one is oh, what is it? Um, it's on the tip of my tongue, it's um. Unique of the one yes, it's or, unique. Unique, yeah. the one that's yeah. supposed to be helping, you know, um, victims of
1: sexual abuse. Yeah,
0: and you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm a victim myself, and going through all that is like, this is absolutely deplorable, and it's so problematic. It's not helpful whatsoever, and every single one that I look into, it's like there just becomes problems. But people, I think, are that are involved with the companies are fed the lines and I think it goes back to repeating the mantra over and over again and so then that becomes truth where they believe that this is actually um a good and charitable organization that everybody in the world should be giving to and to know that they're involved in pride
1: yeah I read an account of someone who um attended actually the the um the unique um center or I guess um and it was it was not a positive experience for her at all um so I mean obviously look people have different experiences with different kind of counseling but I also um I I think if you look at the numbers of how many people actually attend that that um I I don't know exactly what they describe it as a camp I'm not exactly sure um but it's it's quite it's quite a low number of people so um I'm not sure how much how much value that has compared to maybe how much publicity it is given or how much right. prominence it's given in unique advertising um but yes this 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 particular ad I'll have to send you a copy of it you can stick it in or whatever um it's what do you call a hair tie in America like a, a bob I would call it a bobble, a you, like, a bobble? A like a scrunchie like you- scrunchie yeah so kind of a scrunchie yeah, yeah so a kind of a scrunchie um and it is a picture of a you know when you're you've been using the scrunchie for too long and it needs to be like boiled to shrink back uh-huh, size or whatever yeah, yeah. so it's a, it's a stretched out old scrunchie and then a picture of the like a virgin product and a little new fresh out of the pack scrunchie
0: no get out of here
1: I'm gonna send it to oh you oh
0: my it's, gosh
1: it's like it's so bad <laughs> it's oh. so bad I just I I mean I just thought I thought that the um the lip sense low job pictures what? was probably going to be a low point but that somehow pure romance really jumped it for me well
0: you know that's interesting because it just seems like It goes back to me doing research, especially like when I've been doing it on the one coin um, leaders, it's like what, okay, one of them is bad. It's like, oh, you're just an awful person. I can't like you and I want to like you. But then the next one is worse. And then the next, it's like, they all just are so bad. And it's almost like the same thing. I feel like, well, the MLMs out MLM themselves, you know, it's like they do something even worse. And it's like, you're really doing that. So this whole, like a virgin product Ju- it just makes me—I mean, one want to vomit, and two want to punch someone. I mean, that's just basically what comes to my mind. <laughs> I
1: mean, I just think like you're—you're—you're—you're—they're you're, they, the job title for the people who sell it. Like you know, the way that they're a whole lot of different names: consultants and and makeup artist and whatever. Um, is is sexual educator, which first of all implies that you have some kind of training uh-huh. in sexual education, which is you know an actual thing that you could go and study to be. Um, but no, you just you pay for your kit, and then all of a sudden you're a sexual educator, okay? Um, but also, like the idea that someone who is a sexual educator made this graphic, um, because again, it's it's from within the the structure. It's not a corporate image. It's somebody made this little meme for themselves to sell their product. Um, to be clear, that's that's what I'm most interested in is these ones that come from within the the uplines and downlines and move through these these message boards. Um, but the this this image, like the idea that someone who is apparently a sexual educator believes that having lots of sex, I guess, is going to stretch things out like I like, that's not how biology works either. Like, yeah, I also have a minor in biology. So <laughs> again, I'm not a good candidate for this one either. Um, that's that's not that's not how that works. Um, yeah. Just like, yeah, this virginity miss idea and and propagating that in the year 2021. Cool. Um,
0: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, to me, that that makes me very uncomfortable as a woman to think like what you only have value if you feel like you're a virgin.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And if if things are, I guess, uncomfortable or painful for you because you're tightening cream. No pleasure for you.
0: <laughs> Who needs that? Forget about it. Oh, that is just also So,
1: so again, I think that's but again one of the critiques is that it's extremely like it's, I mean that's beyond heteronormative. That is like into like patriarchal um yeah. um what's that? handmade kind of that's, a, that's what I was thinking
0: about too yeah. absolutely yeah. that's where I went I was like oh my gosh
1: which I love that show by the way I find it utterly fascinating I have not watched the show because I was so traumatized after reading the book I was like I, I I don't know if I can watch it I I think the book is on the shelf behind me somewhere there Um, probably there's some there's some fiction stuff lower down Um, but yeah I I just it's it's so important and like everyone should read it but then I was like I came away going oh my god so I never never made myself
0: you know yeah And, but I will say, I mean, it's beautifully filmed. I mean, just the cinematography alone is absolutely stunning. And the costuming is just amazing. I mean, there's everything about in the storyline. Of course, the storyline is so incredibly uncomfortable, but I think that's almost why it's important for people to watch it to, for the message of like, what is going on and how messed up this truly is it's it's uh, utterly fascinating to me but I, I I love um like anything that's like a dystopian future I, I love that Same stuff her.
1: you know yeah. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> if you if, if yeah if, if if society is gone I'm, I'm there for it yeah um <laughs> although I imagine like like if zombies attacked I would just be like all right bite me I'm gonna be useless <laughs> yeah, oh <laughs> I, I have
0: no skills, skills. I love the yeah. walking dead, but I'm like, you know what? I am fully aware that I'm not going to be able to kick any zombie butt, you know? <laughs>
1: I mean, Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to run. Like if you want to just like, I'm, I'll walk, but like, if you shuffle a bit faster, like you can catch me. I'm not, gonna, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to run. <laughs> well, I don't want to keep it? too much
0: longer, but I mean, I would love some time to go into more detail with you about just the language that is used mm-hmm. through all of this, because to me, it's. Language is so very important and how those words, and we talked about that earlier, about how words take on a different meaning and that different meaning is something that I feel like it keeps you trapped within the bubble of slap on whatever, you know, MLM because, you know, mm-hmm. words aren't what they, what they are. And I don't know if you're familiar with the song and it's a song I love. It's by a band I love, um, the Tom Tom Club. Are you familiar with them? I don't think so. Okay, we're going to have to look it up. And the song is called Wordy Rapping Hood. And it's a real fun song. But it's talking about like the meaning, the the importance of words. And my Mm -hmm. my vision was always like if I taught English was to play that song on the first day of school. Because I thought, you know, like because words are so very important. And I never taught English, although I did get, you know, like I could have, but I never did. Um, But they twist words up, which I feel like further just, you know, keeps you... I guess mentally abuses you in some way because you're no longer able to critically think about how those words are being almost like weaponized.
1: I mean, I think we've touched on that there where we mentioned sexual educators. I mean, sexual educator has a meaning. It is somebody who has some sort of qualification or skill in the field of, you know, biology, obstetri- obstetrics, or, you know, has taken, has, has presumably, you know, maybe got a nursing degree or something and then focused on, on sexual education and delivers that training to people. Um, I, that is a specific thing. It's not, I paid, you know, however much money for a starter kit. Um, similarly with the, um, the, the brands that refer to people as makeup artists, yeah. to me, a makeup artist is someone who has gone to beauty school has learned how to do makeup on, you know, many different skin types on, you know, many different looks and whatever. It's not somebody who's paid for a starter kit that, you know, you, you, um, you can't, you know, if you, if you pay for the starter kit, you then can't go to like the the Mac pro shop or whatever. Like you're not, you don't have a card that literally says you're a qualified makeup artist. Um, So these, these words are, are. Yeah, our, our, all the meaning is altered. It's a fascinating. Um, like, I mean, there's a whole linguistics a whole area of study, obviously. Um, discourse analysis is a whole methodology where you um, look at the sort of. Um, but but it is it's how humans perceive the world. We we understand the world um, based on words. Um, there's such a fascinating there's a fascinating study on um, you know um, words which have gender in certain languages. So mm-hmm. for example, for us, a ship is a she okay? And there are words in which, you know, a ship is a, you know, l ship or whatever. Okay. And there are words in which it's, it's der ship, right? It's a man ship. And if you ask people to describe the ship and they come from those cultures, the people who come from the cultures where a ship is a woman will describe it as sleek. They'll describe it as fast. They'll describe it as, you know, agile. They'll describe it as whatever. And if you talk to somebody from the the math cultures where ship is masculine and you ask them to describe it, they'll talk about how powerful it is and how um, aggressive it is and how, you know, whatever. So so the, the way we, the words we use shape our thinking is what I'm, I guess, trying to trying to say there. Um, and this is a really common thing in cults. And I know, again, this is, I mean, I'm not saying all MLMs are cults, but there are some ones with some very cultic tendencies. And um, we see this again in cults where where words, Take on different meanings, and then it becomes so you can only really communicate with properly with the people in the circle who understand the hidden meanings of the words. Um, and if you want to look at America right now, I mean, some of the QAnon stuff of of having these, um, you know, these codes, and you know, if you read this tweet, what it really means is this, and and it's this it's this sort of mindset where you you turn things. Around in your mind to fit your own framework, um, and I think that we do see that in in some MLMs where um, the words that they're using or the the terms, um, I, I the one that comes to mind immediately is um is um, from the Elbow blog where she talks about neg ferrets, her upline referred to anyone who had like negative energy and was going to steal dream stealers, another great one. Um, you know these these. These terms where you and I are described as caustic, neg ferrets, <laughs> um, dream stealers you know um, and actually it's just it's, this is a person expressing concern for you not not, not an enemy you know and we don't have to frame ourselves we don't have to frame ourselves as enemies it can just be someone who is like wants to have a discussion about this and 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 raise some issues that, that we think should be talked about um, and and so yeah within this this mindset this like linguistic programming almost um it is a there's a problem as well
0: a huge problem the QAnon stuff um
1: that fascinates
0: and scares and horrifies me I mean all of that stuff I, I did do a couple of videos one um I don't don't know if it was just the red shoes, but I looked at some of the the symbolism that was used and I went back into it because I I have a master's in anthropology. I don't know if you know that or not. And so looking at how symbolism works within, you know, how that, what that does Mm -hmm. to the human mind, I started looking at that and then I started picking apart like, well, where, what is really the meaning behind all of this? Where is this coming from? And what, you know, what, and it's like, okay what you're saying is like correlation is not causation It's like you know all these things you're just plopping these things that look like there could be a connection and then drawing these large conclusions from it which i find i mean conspiracy theories fascinate me and it's interesting yeah but you know when it becomes like such a large percentage of people believing that it is it's reality that's when i start going oh that's a
1: problem yeah, and like the the we we know from the world that we're looking at today that there are people who can construct an entirely different reality to what objective reality is, um, and and linguistic programming is one of the ways that people do that. And so um, again, I think just you know it's it's something that needs to be looked at.
0: Yeah, absolutely, because it, it is used, and I mean, people, like, within the MLM world love, you know, Tony Robbins, and he's big into neuro-linguistic programming, and uh, like it's like all of these things that,
1: anything that can be used for- I told board, you, I always get, on your channel, I always get Tony Robbins ads. Do you really? Yeah, I texted you that recently. It's every time it's Tony Robbins ads.
0: <laughs> That's
1: so weird. I don't want to walk on hot coals. Stop targeting me, Tony stop it
0: Tony it's so bizarre oh gosh Well, I think I've taken up enough of your time so I'm going to pause this so you know we can say our you know chat with each other for a little bit but thank Getting you so- late here. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your time
1: thanks so much thank you
0: I had such a marvelous time chatting with Dr. O'Sullivan not only is she knowledgeable but she is a bucket of fun too I am so grateful that she became interested in the world of multi-level marketing because we do not have enough academics who are analyzing and critiquing the industry there are hundreds of academics who receive funding from the direct selling education foundation which gives a very skewed view in my opinion about multi-level marketing when your funding is backed by the industry well then you are inclined to produce research which legitimizes a business model which depends on an unpaid sales force of independent contractors who are seeking time freedom and financial freedom. Research like Dr. O'Sullivan's is much needed because it paints a different picture and highlights problematic behavior. I hope to have her back soon because there are a lot of things I think that we can discuss. What are some topics you would like me to talk to her about? Did anything surprise you in our conversation? Thank you so very much for your time. I appreciate you tuning in and remember you're beautiful and I love you.